Hey, I'm Andrew Hagar, and you're listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Good, how are you? Good, good to see you. Good to see you as well. Where are you at? You're out in LA? Uh, no, I'm actually up in the Bay, like near Oakland. Oh, okay. Is it nice yeah. out there today? It's beautiful. How about yourself? Where are you at? I'm in Richmond, Virginia. Oh, awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's nice. We're getting, we're getting some of that uh, smokiness from Canada, so it's a little odd. Ooh. Oh, man. Yeah, kind of spooky, huh? Yeah, it's not like New York where I've seen the pictures where it's all yellow, but you can you can feel it in the air and you know something's not right. Yeah. If that right makes on. sense. That totally makes sense. Yeah, we have <laughs> like crazy fires out here every year, and it's kind of like that. Right, you guys are like used to that. Right. You know, like Mordor or something. Yeah. Do you ever get used to that, or is that something you just kind of have to breathe through and just make it? Yeah, you kind of got to just – I mean – I hate to say you get used to it because it shouldn't be a normal occurrence, right? right? But every year, it's just about the same thing. I remember 2020 was like the worst it had been in years. There was like about a week or two straight where you go outside, it literally looked like more from Lord of the Rings or something. Like everything was just really? had this weird orange glow. Yeah, yeah no, hate. it's not that bad here. So I'm complaining yeah. about nothing. Sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's I feel bad complaining because it's just hazy, but that's all I've got. So. Yeah, but you guys don't normally get it, you know what I mean? No, so, yeah. So anyway, let's talk about uh, let's talk about you. Uh, Systematic Minds came out probably what a month ago now, a month and a half ago. Uh yeah, just about a month, I think. What's been the response to it so far? It's been great so far. I mean, uh, it seems like every time I put out new music, you know, I get new fans that are just finding out about me for the first time and uh, getting a really good response from everybody. You know, it's uh, it's always satisfying when other people like your music. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. But how much of that, so here's a question for you then, not intended, but how much of that is, do you take to heart? So, I mean, everybody's a keyboard warrior now these days, right? And you put your oh, stuff yeah. out there and everybody yeah. can just, and they do just say stuff and yeah. maybe not even listen to it probably. Do you take any yeah. into consideration or you don't even care? I, I used to. I mean, um, when I first started putting out music around 2016, 2017, I was really sensitive about it because, uh, you know, at heart, I'm an artist and I'm trying to express myself and my emotions through my music. So people coming and just trying to, you know, rip me to smithereens, that's not very appreciated. But, um, right. you know, I've, I've got pretty thick skin and I just kind of learned to compartmentalize all that stuff. Like most of the people who leave negative comments, they probably didn't listen to the song. That's they what I was don't thinking. Really they don't even, you know, right. anything about me. And I've always, even before I started releasing music, I used to get a lot of hate on the internet from like, you know, whatever Van Halen fans and people who don't like my father and all that stuff. So it's like, again, if you're going to come onto a complete stranger's page on the internet and try to, you know, talk poorly about this person, right. like whatever, man, get it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, get a, get a life, get right. a hobby, get something that, that, you know, allows you to put positivity out there and enrich your community in the world. You know, I 100% <laughs> agree. So you mentioned it. It was later on on my list, but we'll go ahead and breach the topic. Yeah. Now. What is it like growing up as the son of rock royalty, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, I mean, it, it was, uh, it was a mixed bag. Certainly there's uh, a lot of beautiful things that have come out of it. A lot of advantages I've been afforded that maybe other people wouldn't have and opportunities and all that stuff but uh it's also been a, a difficult thing in certain ways because like i said people judge you completely based on things that have nothing to do with you uh people have already formulated an opinion on me whether they've met me or not or before they've even 
heard anything about me, you know? So um, in that respect, it's been a bit challenging. It also growing up was kind of difficult to know who my real friends were. So I started basically cultivating this defense mechanism where like, I just wouldn't tell people. So for a long time through college, most of my best friends had no idea who my father was for like four years or so. Uh, Yeah, it's a little weird, right? Yeah. But I mean, nowadays it's difficult for anyone to, to have any sense of anonymity unless they're not on socials. And obviously being an artist, you gotta be on socials. (laughs) I hate it, but it's part of the gig. So it is what it is. Do you feel any, one more question on that and then we'll move on to your stuff, but do you feel any sort of pressure uh, to live up to a certain standard or does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I don't, feel any sort of pressure anymore uh when i first started releasing music i was doing it under different project titles or my own name because of that kind of pressure i didn't want to be put under a microscope in that sense so i was hoping to kind of like figure out where i was going what artistic direction i wanted to move in without having that kind of pressure but now i'm just like i'm doing me and you know everybody's gonna lump me in a certain place you know whatever man it's like can't get away from it so i don't really feel that pressure anymore i'm just doing me you know for you so when you're writing i mean i know you have the you're incredibly positive guy so when you're writing is there a message you (laughs) want your fans to take away from like after listening to uh an andrew hagar record or red light appetite or any of that stuff yeah absolutely i mean uh i'm always trying to you know put little tidbits about mental health in there anywhere that i can and uh most of this record that i did with uh trev lukather it's all about, you know, men- mental health topics, my own, my friends, you know, my family, things that we've been through, things that we've suffered through. Right. And uh, some songs are more about like the way that I've overcome it, you know, and I never want to be too like heavy handed with how I'm approaching things or like too on the nose with lyrics. Like I love when people lyrically put a little mystery in there and let the, sure. the list kind of come up with their own, you know, intention or, or reason for what the song is about. But, um, but yeah, so I, I do when I'm when I'm writing stuff, I'm always trying to think about what what I'm trying to say. And a lot of times I might not really know what I'm trying to say until the song is done and out. And I listen to it a couple of times and I'm like, oh, this totally makes sense. Really? You know, absolutely. I mean, like I have a certain intention going into it. I, you know, I journal a lot. I write a lot uh, just to try to organize my thoughts. And when I'm in the studio writing lyrics, I oftentimes pull from things that I've been writing about consistently over the last whatever few months or few weeks before i go in there but that that's like kind of a blueprint for what it is and then uh like like a lyrical detective afterwards i'm going in there and kind of trying to suss out (laughs) what the hell i was exactly trying to say you know so i think you know we're sticking with this positive thing i think you know Mm -hmm. we talk about mental health a lot on this show and i've I've actually done a documentary on you know mental health in the heavy metal world and we talk about it a lot it comes Very up. Cool. Right? I, I dig your positivity. And I'm wondering, do you feel any sort of or sense of responsibility to the listener to drive home a message? And also on the same token, how do I phrase this? I guess let's go with that. Do you feel any sort of responsibility to the listener? Yeah, I mean, I feel responsibility not just to, to a listener, but to anybody that is going to see or hear what I'm doing because uh, I don't know. I just feel like people who can articulate their feelings well, who can articulate, you know, the views that a lot of people might not be able to express, they have a responsibility to talk about this stuff 
and say it for the people that are either not heard or don't know how to say it, right. you know? So, I mean, I do have the the blessing of having an extra microscope on me, an extra bit of attention because of, you know, my father and right. the TV show and all this stuff. So again, every time I get an opportunity, I'm just trying to talk about it, whether I'm bringing awareness, you know, to the overall world of mental health and how the conversation is changing now, especially for men. Um, yeah. But also just as someone who suffered through it and found a lot of really beneficial tools to navigate these issues, I feel like it's my duty to talk about it because you never know who can hear that and benefit from it. And the biggest tool of all, I think, at least in my book when struggling, is has been music, right? I mean, whether it's yeah. happy music or, or just music in general, it has a way of getting you through and... The bonus is that, you know, if I connect with your lyrics, it helps me know that I'm not alone or the listener's not alone, right? Absolutely. And that's that's the most important thing. It's it's such a, like, uh, almost kind of, like, done-to-death point now that you're not alone. But, like, it, it's, it can't be understated how important that is when you're in the midst of any sort of I was going to say, crisis, it may be done-to-death, you know? but it's not really relevant or in the front of your head when you're in the depths or in the pit, right? Absolutely. And and that's the most important part, because for someone who's never really experienced a mental health crisis, they might think that that sounds cheesy, but it's not cheesy at all when you're in the moment and you do feel absolutely alone. And all the things that are going to help you going outside, talking to friends, exercising, going to therapy, all that stuff is is the absolute last thing that you feel motivated to do right. at that moment. So, yeah, a lot of times commiserating through lyrics or through music is one of the most helpful things to pull yourself out of some type of spiral, you know? Sorry, I've gone off on a tangent, but like I said, <laughs> no, we you're talk fine. about that a lot here and it, it's very interesting. One last one on that topic. Do you ever find that you sure. put too much of yourself into a song and you're too vulnerable? Um, I used to, when I was writing more like uh, acoustic or, you know, folk singer songwriter style music, I did feel like maybe I was, I was putting too much of myself into it, but I don't think you're ever really putting, too much of yourself into it if you look at artists who are really successful in that sphere now it's the people who are like bearing their entire soul honest, through their right. songs right super honest and even it's like i've talked to some people when i was writing for sync and stuff as part of like a production team they were saying like oh make things purposefully vague you want people to apply their own meaning to it but like uh you know we use Phoebe Bridgers, as an example, somebody that's in incredibly talented and getting massively popular and also has a lot of integrity as a songwriter. She's so specific with so many of her lyrics. It's like, oh, how would someone relate to this? It's the fact that she is so specific and bearing her soul that makes her so relatable. And 99% so. of the time, I'm sure there's somebody out there who's experienced, going to experience or going through it at the moment, right? Most definitely. Yeah. Excellent. So when are you going to, when you're releasing records, are you going to be doing the, uh, the single model, like the new business model of a single every four to six weeks, or are you doing a full length? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've been releasing singles pretty, you know, steadily right. here for the last few months and I'm going to continue doing that for the rest of the year. Um, I do have an EP that's scheduled to come out at the end of this month. Um, been waiting on my cover art for a minute. I have a, a tremendous, designer friend who who does incredible art but uh he resides in italy and things move a little different out there but yeah we have, we have uh the first of what i thought was going to be two eps being released later this month uh it's called limited edition psycho and it deals with a lot of mental health stuff so but um 
after that, yeah, I will probably go back to singles for a little while. Uh, I do have a full length record that I was planning on releasing, but just with the climate, the way things are working right now, it doesn't seem like a good idea for me to release that with just, you know, my, my little pendant budget. You feel me? (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, I know that people like people like my son consume music way differently than, you know, I grew up because I grew up in the, you know, in the era of the record and the way you sequenced it and the way it's the story you told by the sequencing. And that's kind of lost. I think it's, it's a lost art, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I think that there are people out there that still consume music that way. I mean, you know, the fact that the vinyls are still moving the way they're moving uh, a lot to the fact that people still want to hear things sequenced a certain way. And like you said, the story that's being told, I grew up in the same way and I still listen to a full length record start to finish. Like if one of my favorite bands puts out a new LP, I'm going to sit there and listen to the whole thing. And, uh, you know, I, lo- I love looking at the art. I love reading liner notes. I love the whole experience of, of consuming yes. a record because it's a piece of art. And that's how the artist wanted you to experience it and right. how you interpret it, of course, is your own thing. But yeah, I, I think it's a lost art form. And um, for the most part, for independent artists, it can be really challenging to come up and with expensive, like, like you said, the budget, you know, that's really what kills it. Like if I had a bigger budget, I would have released a couple records by now, right. as opposed to just smaller EP offerings and single. But um, right. you know, it is what it is. I'll, I'll release a full length record eventually, one of these days. Nice. <laughs> Are you planning on taking uh, yourself out on the road? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I've been playing a smattering of local shows throughout California right. with my band, um, and we're going to continue to play, you know, some more local offerings throughout the year. But um, you know, the way everything moves in the music industry, you have to book pretty far out. And uh, we're working on some really big stuff for 2024, um, opening up for a much bigger artist. Again, like I can't announce anything no, officially yet. But yeah, but yeah, there will be a much bigger offering uh, in terms of the touring for later on this year, I think. And then also mostly for 2024. That's good, because that's another thing that has kind of uh, changed dramatically, right? The whole touring climate is so effed up. It's so messed up, man. I mean, like people ask all the time, like even just fans on my, you know, my socials and stuff like, oh, when are you touring? When are you come to Florida? When are you coming here? When are you coming there? And I'm like, man, if, again, if I was right, had a huge budget, budget <laughs> right. man, I'd be, I'd be all over the place. You know, if I was independently wealthy, I would just buy, you know, Sprinter van, get my van uh, and my band together and like, just go out. But uh, unfortunately, contrary to what most people think, I'm not massively wealthy. And uh, it's very difficult to to tour, especially as a solo artist. Like if you're with a band, everybody's equal parts and, you know, you're going out there and splitting everything you do. It, it makes more sense. But as like a solo artist that has to like pay their band and stuff, too, it's it's pretty expensive to play shows. You know. So as a solo artist, then you're doing all the writing yourself and then taking it to the band. Is that how that works? Um, yeah, actually. So Trev Luther, my producer and co-writer, I wrote all of these songs that I'm offering currently with Trev. Uh, I mostly did the lyrics and the melody. Trev did a lot of the music. But prior to doing that, yeah, I wrote everything myself, recorded and produced everything myself and brought in a few friends to play stuff that I was like not, you know, musically talented enough to right. play. But uh, but no, yeah, it's it, that's just kind of how I've done things from the beginning. Um I've been mostly a solo artist and uh, it's been really great to work with Trev because again, like sonically, he brings something to the table that I'm not necessarily capable of. And especially from a production standpoint. Um, so that's been a really 
awesome thing and something that, you know, that I was not used to, to doing. So it's been a nice little way to get out of the box, you know? Did you find it difficult turning over your baby and letting him <laughs> have his way? No, not at all, because we wrote everything in a house together. Oh, so okay. like he would come up with, you know, an, an instrumental demo or something or rough and I'll listen to it. And if I like the vibe, then we, we start writing and then we write everything together. So that was great. I mean, um, I've worked with producers before where I've given them my music and had them like, you know, guessy it up a little bit. And that's been great, but it's really hard to find a producer that really understands you and your vibe. And I get why so many artists want to do everything themselves because there's a certain vision you have for the sound. You hear it in your head and it's difficult to tell someone and articulate exactly what you want. Like I've tried that before and nobody's been able to nail what I was doing, you know, and like, maybe, especially that's, when I was... <laughs> and maybe that's a, uh, a solo artist thing, because I think as a band, the producer probably is a better route because he's sort of like the moderator or the mediator between the five people. Right. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, and when you're writing all together in a band, look at a guy like Dave Cobb, for instance. Like, Dave Cobb is known for kind of, he'll write some songs with people, he'll play guitar on stuff. Like, when my pops did a, did a record with him, that was kind of how it was working. But he's kind of known for bringing out the best of a band. You know, a guy like Ruben, same thing. He self admittedly doesn't really play any instruments. He doesn't really, you know, work the board. He doesn't really do a lot of things that a traditional producer or musician would do. But he's able to coax out, you know, the best a lot of Can these fans Rick Rubin? bring out there. Yeah, Rick Rubin. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, he's an interesting guy in the music industry because most producers are like a specialist at one or two instruments. They really have a command and a mastery of, of something. Whereas Rick Rubin, like I said, himself admittedly doesn't really have a lot of musical expertise in terms of playing an instrument, but obviously knows. he's able to coax out the best. Yeah. And you know, and he's a tremendously respected guy for a good reason, you know, oh, whereas yeah. Dave Cobb is like the, the opposite end of that. Like he is an incredible guitar player, incredible songwriter and an incredible producer and has a way of coaxing out the best of artists right. as well. I've yeah. seen videos online. I, I don't know Rick Rubin at all, but I've seen videos online <laughs> where like he's in his bedroom or something in his yoga pants, yeah. listening to the studio yeah. takes and, and he knows exactly what he's looking for. And yep. yeah, he's cool, man. His story is really, really interesting. Um, big well, I fan imagine, right? Story. Cause he's worked with everybody from Slayer to Johnny Cash to you name it. Yeah. And he started off as kind of like, you know, kind of like a punk dude that was, you know, listening to like early rap and hip hop and right. trying to help them kind of he get on a death jam. Right. I believe so. I'm not, yeah, I think uh, early on I'm, he was like a yeah. some connection to Def jam as well. Yeah. Sure. Interesting. Yeah. So what's next for you then? What do you got going on this summer? Uh, like I said, we're releasing the EP, some new singles, going to play a few shows here and there and just, just keep it moving, man. <laughs> and if fans want to find you, how do they find you online? Uh, the best place to find me is on Instagram. I'm on TikTok and Facebook as well. It's at uh, Andrew Hagar official, but I'm definitely the most active on Instagram. <laughs> there's too many of those to keep up with. And I feel like every other day there's a new one to try and, and do. I can't. Certainly. Yeah. It's a Bud lot. <laughs> budget as well. I'd love to have somebody to be able to take care of all that for me, but. <laughs> same. You and me both. I'm in the same boat <laughs> as you sort of. <laughs> anyway, I, think I ran up to the end of my questions. Did I miss anything you wanted to cover? No, no, we got it. I appreciate it. Yeah, I hope that wasn't too bad. I like to meander and just see where we end up. No, so. that's fine. I mean, that's that's a good conversation, man. 
Thank you, my friend. I really like the record or what I've heard of it anyway. Awesome. I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bruce. I appreciate you. Be well, have good a luck. wonderful day. All right, Bye. cheers. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.